welcome to episode four of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. As you recall, each week we will read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that debuts on March 30th. I love that we actually have a date for that. Uh, We'll be discussing comic history, comic reading, and Moon Knight-related news. I'm your host, Dwayne, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, great to be here. This is going to be a fun week. I'm excited to talk about some of these. Yes, yes, yes. So, this week, we're going to dig into the middle issues of Moon Knight Volume 1, which were published in 1981 and 1982. Uh, In these, Moon Knight defeats a guy dressed as a rat... Marlene becomes a bikini-clad bodyguard to a terrorist leader, and Morpheus and Scarlet return. We'll also talk about Khonshu-themed backups and ponder why villains are so prone to lethal accidents. Plus, Dan is going to tell us why he thinks that issue number 26 is one of the best Moon Knight stories ever printed. All right, that's that's a lot to cover here, Dan. Let's go go into more specifics. There's a lot going on. Go into more specifics on the stack this week. Sure. So we're going to be talking about um, Moon Knight numbers 15 through 26. These are the first books that came out as part of Marvel's sort of slow move to take their books out of the channels that they've been sold in for decades at grocery stores and and drugstores and move them instead into being sold specifically either through subscription channels or through direct market comic book shops. This was a big change for comics because it meant that no longer were comic books, especially like the Moon Knight comic or the ones that were moved to direct market, were not necessarily out in front of the eyeballs of the general American populace as much as they were before. And if you wanted to get these issues, you either had to know where there was a comic book store or you had to subscribe through Marvel themselves, and then have the books mailed to you. And as somebody who was growing up in rural Minnesota, I had to choose a second option. So I have subscription (laughs) crease copies of almost all of these Moon Knight books. I sort of fell in love with them while they were still available on the newsstand, and then had to move to subscription to continue getting them, or else I'd have had to wait months after they came out to get them. So the first issue this week is actually uh, the, the oft-advertised ruling the world from his basement uh, story that had been advertised for a while and finally came up in Moon Knight 15. <laughs> yeah. In that one, Moon Knight is suspected of attempting to kill foreign VIPs, gets in some scuffles with the police, etc., and even eventually begins to suspect himself at one point. He kind of gets that question of, you know, am I going to sleep at night and then getting up and going and trying to kill world leaders type of things. Um, The actual culprit ends up being someone who calls himself Xenos. He's a bad cop who's a racist, a xenophobe, and also a nut job who runs around in a rat costume. So Xenos first thinks that Moonlight's a sort of white knight uh, that would be philosophically and ideologically aligned with him, but later turns against him, and Moonlight eventually defeats him after he steps on a mousetrap while trying to sneak up on Moon Knight. thus giving away his position, and Moon Knight's able to take him down. So, what do you think about this one, Dwayne? Um, yeah, the, this was... This was alright. I mean, it, it's... it For the build-up that we had for it, it didn't exactly live up to that level of hype. But it, it was, it was an alright story, and like, yeah, we just suddenly get introduced... Uh, to this, um, the the character ended up. Wasn't he like the partner of Flint too? Like he wasn't he kind of a not? kind of a new guy, um, somebody yeah. who'd been on the force for a long time. And the idea was that you know he was a he was a good cop, uh, just like Moon Knight was a was a good guy. And uh, yeah. Flint was like, you know, well, anybody could go wrong. And then right, right, his partner's right. kind of standing there, you know, <laughs> trying to trying to look inconspicuous while that's going on. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So this is your standard sort of good cop gone bad story. Um, yeah. As a note, this is a story that would have been impossible like 10 years earlier. Because during the initial versions of the comics code 
portraying a police officer as in any way doing something that was like negative or illegal would have been something that wouldn't have been allowed. So just the loosening really? of the code and then some of these other things allowed these sort of stories even. Huh, that's interesting. So, but yeah, the uh, the interesting thing other than that is that you know even a few things I'd seen on the internet when we're getting ready and moving into the the television show, there were a number of people who were worried what Moonlight's costume would actually look like when it got on the real screen, you know, live action. Because it's kind of one of those things where it's like, is it just going to look like he's a KKK member running around through town, right? <laughs> oh, God. And they were careful about that because there's that that idea of him being a white knight and having you know, the white hood and everything. I think they've taken pains to play up the Egyptian side of the costume and also to make sure that it looks very different uh, in terms of that sort of thing. But this one did have some a little stronger themes in it. You know, it... it had a bit of stuff going on, but really not a particularly important uh, issue in the long run. Right. Xenos is a one-time villain, and uh, and nothing really happened that we need to worry too much about there. Okay. Um, 16, then. Now we get a fill-in issue, and these are going to happen every once in a while, and this is a direct result of going to the direct market, because as part of that, Marvel increased the, the price and the page count on Moon Knight Comics. And in doing so made it much more difficult for one artist, kind of like we talked about a couple weeks ago, to be able to actually take care of everything. So there's a huge story coming up in, in issues 17 through 20, and Bill Sienkiewicz draws the whole thing. But some of those are actually 30-page comics or more drawn by one guy coming out in one month. So I think part of that is that while he was getting a head start on issue 17 and some of those, they needed to fill an issue. And they actually brought in a guy named Jack Harris to write it and then Dennis Cowan to pencil it. Cowan's a real good choice uh, for this because his art style complements, I think, what Sienkiewicz was doing at that time really well. And so it doesn't look at all out of place. It's a well-done issue. But doesn't really have anything that, again, is going to have a lot of long-term um, focus. Essentially, the story's called Shadows of the Moon. It's about the son of a police officer who idolizes Moon Knight. Dad isn't a fan of vigilantes. Goes in and, like, tears his Moon Knight poster off the wall and that sort of yeah. stuff. Um, but the father is also a very good cop, and he's on the trail of terrorists. Uh, his end is actually kind of a little bit odd in that he essentially falls through a manhole and is killed by an oncoming subway train. So uh, the boy and Moon Knight then team up together to solve the case and in the process keep New York City from being destroyed by the terrorists who are setting a massive nuclear bomb under the city. I think if you're counting, this is now at least the third time that Moon Knight has already saved New York from complete and utter destruction. Yes, yes. And and there was a uh, a cameo by Thing, if I remember right, because yep. the boy finds Thing and he's like, can you help me get a hold of Moon Knight? Because I need to, I need some, a good guy uh, to help me figure out what happened to my dad and, and take and, and, and go from there. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a good guy. I could help, you know, but you don't want yes. me. So that is correct. Yep. So yeah, but but he does help because then he yeah. goes and like radios on the yeah. on the superhero radio channel or whatever. He radios <laughs> up Moon Knight and says, "Hey, there's a kid who needs help," yep. and in the process saves New York from complete destruction. So, yes. um, but yeah, basically the main thing about this is it's a solid fill-in issue, but partly because it's a fill-in issue, it doesn't really connect to any of the stories before or after it. It's just kind of a standalone. Yeah. Um, then, I, I liked I, li I liked that I liked that story. It was I did it too. was it was just kind of fun and it, it was it was interesting seeing the the dad not be a fan of Moon Knight and all this thing and then have Moon Knight go and save the day with with the help of the kid and and so it was just a kind of nice comic book type story to me. It was just okay, I'll take that. I would agree with that, actually. that That's a very good description of it. And sometimes I think we we don't appreciate those enough. Like when I was mm -hmm. going through it, I may be, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's... But a, a well-written, solid 
just standalone entertaining comic story is a thing of beauty sometimes. So Right. Then we move on to mention Kev- Sienkiewicz returning for issues 17 to 20. This comprises the longest Moon Knight story that we'll have seen yet. Not only because it goes across four issues, but as I previously mentioned, some of those issues are essentially one and a half issues worth of content. Because those 30-page stories are well over the 17 to 22 pages, which would have been normal back in, in these days. So, very long story. Starts out with Spectre being visited by an old friend, Benjamin Abramov. Abramov is actually killed right in front of him by an assassin shooting him through the window right in front of everyone. When this happens, uh, the assassin is somebody called Master Sniper. Uh, Moon Knight then takes off and tracks him down. And after a fight and all the rest, um, essentially gets him to where he's about to take him into custody. And the assassin then commits suicide rather than giving up information on his organization, which we later find out are called the Third World Slayers. Then we move to issue 18. We find out the Slayers are led by someone named Nimrod Strange, uh, who then sends the rest of his Slayers to hunt down Moon Knight in Jerusalem. Mark Spector slash Moon Knight has headed to Jerusalem because that's where the information that they found on a secret microdot that was a mole on the uh, on Abramoff uh, had led them. And then they end up working with the Mossad, finding out a little bit more information as well. But while he's there, there, there's a number of attacks. Uh, things don't go well for the Slayers. A number of them die, quote-unquote, accidentally during their fights. Uh, one of them by falling on his own acid-filled knives, that sort of thing. Um, 19, then, the story moves to Strange Secret Island Base, which Spectre, Frenchie, and Marlene infiltrate after the Mossad have been able to track down its location. Marlene becomes a personal bodyguard to Strange, while Spectre and Frenchie indulge in a bit of sabotage. After losing his Slayer's Elite previously to Moon Knight, Strange then decides to essentially adopt all of their tools and become sort of a composite killer elite that he then calls Arsenal. Uh, First time they fight, Arsenal actually defeats Moon Knight and escapes with Marlene as the island is going up in flames. He then takes off for the U.S., where in number 20 we find out that he's planning to burn Manhattan to the ground. Yet again, cataclysm for New York, right? Uh, Moon Knight and Marlene save the day. Marlene handles the other bodyguards and and some of the other people around Arsenal, while Moon Knight defeats Arsenal himself in their rematch. And, as per normal with Moon Knight villains, uh, he ends up dying at the end, in this case blowing himself and his ship up in the harbor, instead of allowing himself to be taken by the police. So, this was a long one. There was a lot going on here. Uh, what I just gave you is a very compacted version of the yes. story. Because we don't want to take a very half hour so. on it. Um, what did you think of this, Dwayne? Uh, I have to tell you, this is probably the story I've, I, <laughs> I have disliked the most out of all of the stories that we've read so far. There was just something about the whole, like the the B, the the first issue seventeen the 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 setup and the initial uh, assassin master sniper was okay. It didn't it didn't exactly um, get get to me that much though. There was like some I think one or two shots of Nimrod Strange and what his whole deal was. Um, in there, but it was really 18 through 20 that just felt like a big slog to get through. And, and it was, I, I don't know, um, if it was the villain necessarily, but I will tell you this, there was <laughs> the villain Nimrod strange having these bikini clad bodyguards that he lets fight each other for his amusement was, was, arguably one of the most disgusting things i've ever seen and and like i i i I don't know if that was the only thing but there was just there was just kind of this air of sexism across this entire uh set of issues that just really kind of was hard to ignore and difficult to deal with and the fact that these were over 30 pages every one of these these books 
made it feel like a really big slog to get through. I, I can't actually argue any of that. As far as a lot of this, the sexism and some of the other stuff, you know, he's, he's not only got the bikini-clad warriors, but he's basically telling one of them, you know, if, if they're not exactly whatever, he's just going to replace them, which is what happens. One of them gets replaced by Marlene. But he's also sleeping with them all, and so it's just a, it's a real mess. I think that overall, in terms of some of the stuff we'll see in the 90s and into the early 2000s, this is unfortunately mild compared to what we're going to be seeing later. Not so much in Moon Knight titles, but in other ones especially. But this sort of thing becomes a problem for comics in the 90s. Just overall, too, this story had a lot of things that seem to be sort of shorthanded. Um, for me, like Master Sniper looks very similar to Deadshot, who's a, a DC villain for Batman, who was uh, in some of the Englehart Rogers books a few years before. Uh, Nimrod Strange sounds very much like Hugo Strange, who's a Batman villain. And in fact, in one fun. panel... They called him Hugo Strange. So they actually <laughs> screwed up. And Doug Mensch, who's written Batman books and he's written, you know, Moon Knight, actually misnamed him in one of the panels in one of the books. And so he does call him Hugo Strange in one of the panels. So I, so I wasn't imagining that. And I was no. like, this, this character seems very familiar to me. Like, the name even sounded familiar to me, and, and I couldn't quite place it because I'm not, while I'm familiar with Batman, I'm not familiar with all of the villains that Batman has gone up with against all over the years. But it was just like, yep. that, that, that's weird. And yeah, it was, and, uh, it was kind of weird. Uh, I was going to say the other thing that, that struck me, um, getting back to the sexism thing for just a minute is it wasn't just the villains. It was it was the Moon Knight character himself that was bothering me too because he in these issues I found him calling women babes and dolls and all this and his treatment of Marlene over these issues especially after we get through talking about issues twenty two and twenty three that 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 she is uh, definitely a part of along with her brother again. Um, it was it was it was just vile the way he was treating her and in issue 25 she actually leaves as a result of it he, she keeps coming to him she's like steven i've got to talk to you and he's like not now not now i don't care maybe later some other time and and finally she just says enough i'm leaving and and i'm sure we'll talk about that more when we get there but it was just it wasn't just it wasn't just the villains it was our yep. hero as well that was doing this too and it so there was no respite to this yep i and really he has been awful to her in a lot of ways yeah. for a long time almost since mm -hmm. the very beginning really the fact that he was a murderous mercenary in a previous life comes out every once in a while and you just go why am i rooting for this dude so it yeah. it is interesting one of the things that i will say is they don't, to Mench's credit, he writes the character as awful, but he doesn't, he doesn't let him off, right? I mean, she's, she is like, I'm going to leave you because you're awful, right? So it is, it is actually being dealt with within the text, but it's still sometimes a little hard to deal with. So what is, so what is the deal with, <laughs> with these villains just killing themselves still? Are we, are we still in that, like... It it just I don't I don't I guess I don't I don't get how like nobody's willing to go to prison. Um that it's just or I don't know what to make of that, I guess. It just It's a little weird. Um it it's a it's a way to essentially cleanly end the story, I guess, but it's also very unusual because killing off all these villains then makes a return yeah. trip for those villains more difficult. So usually you don't kill off the villains unless there's a really good reason to, just because that cuts off story possibilities for the future, right? So now there's the rubber bullets to, and you, things. So, yeah. you know, sometimes they'll bring them back anyways. 
I, I would think that like it's not easy to keep coming up with villains and and like no. villains that are actually interesting that maybe have a a a reasonably decent origin story. I mean, we we see the return of Morpheus here coming up, and 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 I I actually like the stories where we go back to a villain that we've already seen because I think it's more interesting. I have more investment in those villains. And and so, I yeah, I, I don't understand why, why a lot of these villains just are kind of a one-and-done sort of situation. Yeah, it's, it's very unusual. Number 21 is weird. Um, Spectre sort of returns to his roots. He's in Haiti, and he's taken on a mercenary job for someone in the local government fighting against a terrorist or zombie cult. Which is weird on just a number of of levels, because we haven't seen him go back and do any kind of work for hire at all. And, of course, in the end, he ends up not really knowing what's going on and inserting himself in a way that causes all sorts of trouble. And then we do get a, a cameo also from um, Brother Voodoo, who's somebody who we haven't seen... Uh, fully before, but I believe he has had kind of a little cameo at some point in the past in Moon Knight. So what did you think of 21? Uh, it it felt like more of the same from the 17 through 20, and was just a long, not very interesting story to me. This is a true fill-in story. Uh, I actually think that if you were reading through, you would be better off just skipping this issue because it it has no actual real value in terms of adding to the character. Uh, better to move on to 22 and 23, which were really good stuff. Gets us back to Mench and Sienkiewicz. Uh, old school horror suspense. To me, these are really similar to the Hulk stories. Uh, probably more similar than any we've had in a long time. The artwork in them was beautiful. We're starting to really see... Sinkevich start to break out of his early sort of Neil Adams uh, emulated style, really start to loosen up uh, his pencils and his artwork. And the dream sequency sort of stuff and some of the nightmare things going on here were really cool. It was a lot of fun, I think. Uh, also, kind of sad at points, obviously. So what did you think of this one, Dwayne? Uh, it, it, was, it was really good. I... First thing I noticed is the artwork in these issues was uh, intense. It was nightmare fuel of the highest order. These the 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 um, drawings of Morpheus. There was there. I, I will say in twenty two there was a lot of text. They they went through and did a rather mm -hmm. thorough back uh, story to kind of remind you who Morpheus was. But after you got through that, the story was really interesting. And the, he, they, they changed his drug cocktail that he was being given. And it was actually making him more powerful and allowing him to kind of become consciously aware of what was going on. And so if he, like, touched people or whatever, he could make them um, hallucinate or like in the case of his brother of uh, Marlene's brother actually uh control him and and make him be able to cause hallucinations in people if he touched them and and so like the end of 22 when when you know Marlene and Frenchie are supposedly taking Marlene's brother up to this cottage in Maine and they crash because Mar uh Fren Frenchie sees this hallucination and then they're like, well, where's where's the brother? And he's not there. He's actually fighting Moon Knight back in New York. It was it was very trippy, really yep. interesting. And the the fight in 23 where Moon Knight fights his personas was really weird and cool at the same time. And you kind of get the idea of just how kind of crazy he is a little bit because he's like talking to himself and he's and he's like he almost feels like different people but then you remember that he's that's him that that is the one person and so i i really liked 
I really like this story. And it, it, it uh, after reading the 17 through 21, uh, this would this felt really really good. And and yeah, I really like those original Hulk stories. And so coming back to that kind of feel, coming back to something that was really well uh, drawn, um, was 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 a lot of fun. And I, and I really liked these issues. Very cool. Yeah, and and at the end of it, of course, um, Peter ends up having to somehow he has gotten the the negative power of Morpheus through Morpheus messing with him this way, and he's able to somehow sacrifice his own life to then save Morpheus and turn him back into a human, essentially defusing him, and once again in the process, uh, ostensibly defusing another villain because we've healed him, which in comics terms is just as good as killing him for a villain, right? So. Right. Um, the the last panel where you just see Marlene's face and she's crying was yeah. it, and, and it was just black and white and gray basically because it was like I don't know if it was like raining or something but it was just it was haunting almost in the way that story ended. Yep, I love the panel before too. It's uh, got the one where they're all kind of like in the distance and it's got a little stream or something in the in the right. foreground. Also really somber. So you did have a question on yeah, this. Yeah, quick question on this Go one. For did, it. Mar- did Marlene's Marlene's last name change at some point? Yes. Because... She was called something different pre um, Egyptian mythology version of Marlene was his secretary and uh, an occasional girlfriend, but was not at that point the daughter of the archaeologist or whatever ostensibly and she had a different name and no they didn't just forget about that it's gonna come back yet again so (laughs) don't worry marvel will marvel will not forget that nugget eventually it will get dealt with it'll just take a while okay i it's just between that and like seeing a bunch of uh write-ups after the moon knight trailer that premiered last week talking about marlene and this last name that i didn't recognize i'm like what wait what's going on here why aren't they calling her marlene fontaine and fontaine that's it yeah um yeah all all is what she is all the way through during the the books we'll be reading now that was a an alias she was using for like two issues so there we go let's let's move on to issue 24 because this is a this is a really good issue as well yeah 24, we see the return of Scarlet Fascinera, often called Stained Glass Scarlet. Uh, She's on a vengeance quest now against the Sindon family, um, Moon Knight. Then ends up having kind of a crisis of conscience on what he should do about this. Because the leader of the Sindon family is actually the first person who had given drugs to Scarlet's son. Essentially leading him down the path to become Mad Dog uh, Fascinera and eventually being imprisoned and, and murdered. So she wants to go out and take down this family. And she's essentially like, you know what these people have done. You know what they are. I'm doing the world a service. He's like, yeah, I know, but still murder, right? So in the end, he does try to stop her. Uh, but he fails because it comes down to a situation where the head mobster and Scarlet are essentially pointing a gun and a crossbow at each other, and he has to choose who he's going to try and disarm. And so he disarms the uh, mobster, and Scarlet puts a crossbow bolt directly through the guy's like sternum. So nice he is dead. Yeah. Yep. Um, so at that point, she then runs, and Moon Knight follows her and has to decide again whether he's going to try and stop her. And he lets her go. So yeah, he he throws the truncheon at her because she's threatening to jump for this train. He throws the truncheon at her and looks like he specifically misses. Because I mean, the guy doesn't miss normally, and yep. he he missed uh, this time. And so she jumps on the train uh, and is away. Uh, I I love I loved this issue as well. Uh, this character to me is, is is quite something. I I can see the appeal on why so many people like Stained Glass Scarlet. 
Uh, I thought the story was well, very well done, and kind of the the idea of the moral dilemma. Do you do you uh, let somebody with good intentions do something bad to somebody else that's even worse, or do you actually stop them and let this even worse person continue to do what they've been doing? And you know, he does go to try and stop her, and it kind of alerts his his on the uh his his guards and so they end up having to fight off the guards just so they could ostensibly leave if they wanted but they instead make their way into the guy's house where and mm-hmm. and yeah it ends up being kind of literally a triangle of moon knight scarlet and this mob boss and he has the the decision to make as to who he's going to side with and and yeah it it's i i it's not an easy choice obviously and i think that um those are always really interesting and seeing how it played out i i really like the way it played out i also like the fact that he asked marlene and she didn't have easy answers for him either she's not somebody who is who is going to come down on one side or the other immediately on this you know she's like somebody's trying to kill someone should i stop him she's like yes well what if that person's trying to kill someone even worse than or someone who deserves to die She's like, well, maybe then you don't stop them. You know, no. she's, she's not a lot of help in this, no. really. But but does sort of say at the end, well, are those the only two options? And then right. he tries to go and find a third way, and and essentially fails in that. So, I would I would say though that yeah, this was a, it's beautifully drawn, really moody, and and extremely well done in terms of the way it does present some of those moral dilemmas and the rest. So, it's a top notch issue. Yes. So, number 25 then, we can move on to that. Vietnam veteran, son of a prominent political figure, has, I guess what we'd almost call like a, a Joker-like one bad day moment where everything that's been going wrong for years sort of boils over when he gets mugged. Um, he decides then that he's going to run for office, and he's going to run for office with the game, with the idea of taking control of the city so he can destroy it from within. He's just fed up with New York City. So he, he creates his black specter alter ego to terrorize supporters of his opponent in the election. Um, interestingly, he sort of models that off of Moon Knight. So it's a, it's a character that's got almost like the same sort of silhouette, but it's, he's dressed all in black. He's got a big... Um, like a mace that he uses to, to club people with. Um, in the end, Frenchie gets beaten up. Marlene goes undercover, uh, essentially, to try and find out what's going on within the political organization. And Black Spectre then turns the city against Moon Knight after he tries to unmask. So this politician, Knowles, then eventually fights Moon Knight on the top of a building with a big crowd watching. He's dressed as the Spectre. Moon Knight and him end up throwing each other or falling off a building together and crashing into a skylight, at which point Moon Knight's able to show that that is him. The police are like, yeah, you've just put him into a Black Spectre outfit. That doesn't really prove anything. Marlene comes up and she's got the goods on him after being undercover and finding out uh, what he's been up to. Yeah. So this was billed a double issue. This issue was actually over 40 pages and it was it was divided into three parts and like the first part was kind of the showing where this Carson Knowles got the idea uh, all the bad things happening to him and then kind of the evolution of Black Spectre and I think it was really I, I thought that part of it was really interesting and it just sort of kind of propelled the whole story and so in spite the fact despite the fact that it was such a long story uh, I did like it, though it did seem like at times, like maybe it was didn't need to be as long. Like there was like a page of panels yep. just on an ant and a spider, and and like Knowles was talking <laughs> about in his head, thinking about I'm gonna maybe I should be shouldn't be uh, so um, confrontational. Maybe I should just kind of more go with the flow. Maybe I don't need to be this like predator. 
And then he like sees this spider eat the ant. And he's like, no, I'm the spider. I need to do this. This is really important. And and, and so it was just a, a little bit, um, a little bit kind of, I guess, fill in i don't for for lack of a better thing it's like oh we need to get it to the right page count and so we need to get a couple extra panels in there or something but it didn't detract from the story i think the story was really interesting the the thing with marlene she's like i'm done with this and and like i think it's the spillover from the morpheus uh confrontation and her losing the brother and moon knight not being at all there for her subsequently to that uh she's like i am i'm done i'm leaving i'm just i'm sick of this and he like talks her into this one last thing and she like i went to a press event with him i've had dinner with him this is a good guy carson knowles is a good guy you had i I, I would see it if it was bad. And, and Moon Knight's just like, no, no, he is bad. He is terrible. He's ruining the city. And and she's like, if you're not going to believe me, I we're just done. It, like, if you're asking for my help, I'm telling you what's going on. And you're not going to believe me, I'm done. And, and so that was just, like, really interesting. And then, like, finally the, the, the kind of the facade of this good guy sort of fades near the end of the issue and that causes Marlene to go looking in his office for this missing paperwork and she finds the evidence that he is planning on basically bankrupting uh, the city if he becomes mayor uh, right before he's supposed to go see this like giant audience of people rooting for him and and then yeah, Moon Knight and Black Spectre get together and fight, and then that's how the whole thing ends. And so it it ends in a rather anticlimactic way, but the story just to get there, I think, was was really quite interesting. But the and then Marlene's like, uh, "Can I come back? I I obviously was wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, can I come back?" And and so that was a little unsatisfying, I guess. But o- overall, I liked the I liked the issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and double issues are a thing that, from a revenue standpoint, Marvel and DC found it at a certain point that if someone's buying regular issues and trying to get them all, you could either publish something like an annual as an extra one, or sometimes at the 25th or the 50th or the 75th issue, they would then make a higher-priced issue with more pages in it as sort of a special that would then allow them to extract more money out of folks uh, while celebrating the fact that a book had gotten to a certain level or whatever. So well, there, you, there you go. I did not mm-hmm. realize that was a thing. So That's a thing. That, okay. uh, that was definitely a thing. So that's kind of where that went from or, or where that would have started. And then uh, so that's why number 25 would have been a little bit bigger. So let's let's talk about 26. 26. Let's talk about 26. This is this was a really interesting issue. Sure. So this one. Uh, in my opinion, this is one of the most beautiful, one of the saddest of all the Moon Knight stories. Um, story itself is extremely simplistic. Uh, it's a young man who reads something in the newspaper at work, someplace in an office building. He runs out into the city, sort of desperate and angry, starts lashing out at people in his way, just punching random people on the street as he goes through. Uh, eventually, he crashes into a funeral parlor, um, gets in a fight with the priest, who's sort of there in the room and then starts attacking a coffin that's sitting at the front of the room. Um, We find out that the man in the coffin is his father, who's recently died, and he was abusive to him as a child. Uh, Moon Knight then comes in, finds him there, tries to calm him down, and while he's doing that, the kid's just like, you know, go ahead and just punch me. And he's like, no, I don't want to do that. And eventually he just gets attacked. Moon Knight tries not to, but eventually... He just also kind of resorts back to violence himself and knocks, you know, hits the kid, hits him again, knocks him out on the floor. Um, the story is actually entitled "Hit It," um, and this issue is what I would say is is Bill Sienkiewicz finally just unshackled. It is the beginning of sort of the kind of art style that he's going to become famous for, and it is absolutely beautiful. 
Um, it's sort of the art's all swirling. It's full of images of like rock and jazz icons and things like that. It's almost like you're trying to be able to make it so people can hear the music, the sort of cacophony of music going on in the background uh, while all of this action's going on in front of it. Um, and then at times it's also infused with these sort of childish drawings and crayon, like something a kid would make, you'd stick on a fridge. But it's all of people, like, you know, adults hitting a kid, like the dad hitting the kid and stuff like this. Um, we haven't really talked about Christy Scheel, uh, who's been the colorist on almost all of these. But her colors are absolutely spot on for almost all of these books but especially in this one. It's really impressive how she manages the mood, kind of moving back as the story swings from being a little bit more reflective to more violent. It's just an absolute masterclass on how to use colors uh, to sort of manipulate people's feelings as they're watching art. So um, everything about this, though, was really well done. And I also like that Mench's script ends up being really understated. Like, you know, we talk about how long it takes to read a comic book. It probably didn't take you a whole long time to read this one, right? Yeah. This is like this is like a five-minute read or something like that because you're mostly just going from, like, beautiful two-page spread to two-page spread with a little bit of uh, dialogue and a few caption boxes here and there. Um, for the most part, the script just gets out of the way and lets Sienkiewicz's images just tell the story Um the way that they want to. And it's this really sad, powerful story about like the vicious cycle of child abuse. So, yeah, what, yeah, what they, did you they, think? They, well, it, 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 it struck me as odd because like we didn't see, there was a few panels before the big kind of story uh, title reveal. And like, I don't know, it just, the, the art was, was amazing throughout and like i there was no credits that i saw anywhere for the story or the art or anything and i'm just was like where where did this come from where where is this going on and it, and it actually <laughs> i mean it, as, it is there it, i i completely missed it the first time then because like the the other thing is is this is only half the book. There's a secondary story in the latter half of this issue, but it is it is nothing compared to the the this hit it story at the beginning, the first half of this book, and and like the the deep blood red that is used throughout this was was something. And and the thing that the thing that I kept coming back to is it almost felt like there was this melody or this beat that 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 ran from panel to panel all the way through and you just kind of you could kind of tell what the art was going to be next you could almost tell what something was going to be said because it kept coming back to this hit it message hit it hit it and and it was it was really something it was simple yet complex and very very interesting and and it, unlike mm -hmm. anything i've ever seen before i have to say <laughs> i would i would say that's correct that it is it is unlike anything especially that we'd seen before in terms of of these moon knights but really I and mean, sinkevich changes art in comics in some ways and this sort of thing is echoed for a long time. You know, there's um, there's some issues of, of like 100 Bullets with Eduardo Rizzo that also do similar things with music and, and musicians and stuff like that. But this is really the sort of stuff that we just didn't... We didn't see this sort of storytelling hardly at all, especially in mainstream comics back at this time. Um, and I, went, I actually went in and looked, and it's weird because you're right, on the Stanley Presents Hit It, two-page spread, there are no credits. They're they're tucked in on the two-page spread on the next page, oh, which is really okay. odd that you it's have the usually, credits on a different page than the title. Yeah, it, I, I'm, mm -hmm. I've gotten accustomed, you know, this, this long-time comic book reader that I am, I've gotten yep. accustomed to seeing the, the credits for the issue on the same page as the title. That's so. almost always where they're at. Yeah. But 
they do they did whatever they wanted here. But yeah, just looking through this, the this is just a fantastic sort of again, it's not a story that has anything to do with the moonlight the moonlight mythos or anything that's going to be big on world building. It's just a simple standalone story that knocks it out of the park. Yeah. Really, really well done. And then yeah, there's a backup story which is really, really anticlimactic after no. this one, I would have yeah. to say. It's basically just uh, somebody's going around trying to use bazookas to blow up cabbies, and Moon Knight has to stop it. Yeah. So probably so that's it, all we need to say about that. Let's briefly talk about the backup stories, and then let's move on to talking about characters and items and things like that. The two that I think would be interesting to talk about are the Tales of Khonshu ones. Because that is the first time where we really start to see Khonshu interacting with the world outside of working through Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant, etc. Where you've got a, somebody who shoots a cop or shoots someone in a park, runs and hides in a natural history museum, and then Khonshu ends up trapping him in a uh, sarcophagus, and he ends up, he ends up dying in there. Uh, or you've got a U.S. military force in Egypt, and the Nazis have been through, and they're looting everything and all alike. And so when the U.S. guys are in the tomb, one of them's like, hey, let's take some of this stuff. We could get some money. And there's others like, no, we're not going to take anything. We're not like the Nazis. And Khonshu smiles upon them and then blows up all the mines that were going to keep them from getting to the Nazi forces so that they could go in and take care of Rommel and his forces. So, um... I, I didn't necessarily love these stories. Like, it, it's it's interesting. Like, I actually kind of liked the Incan story. Spectre is is trying to get an, a, a, a real Incan artifact thing, and he picks up this one on the ground that's at a campsite where some archaeologists are at. And it turns out it's a fake one. And, like, as he's leaving, he falls into, a like, a pit that, ends up being like this vault for ink and artifacts full of real ones ones, and he has the option of keeping the one that he has or taking any of the ones that are here he keeps the one he has which ends up being this like really cheap knockoff one that the that the archaeologist bought in at, at a flea market in town and and so specter not knowing the difference between a real and fake artifact that he's charged in getting i thought was kind of cool but yeah the the country ones are a bit more interesting i i will tell you i don't know how i feel about seeing hitler in comics i just yeah that just i'm like oh god world war ii oh no they're not they're not gonna show hitler are they oh they're showing hitler oh goodness sakes Back then, we had a lot of that. This was this was the era of All Star Squadron, where we had um, essentially a 1940s set uh, show or or comic that actually specifically was a bunch of the early DC heroes from the World War II period, and they were fighting Nazis every month. Uh, you you actually saw a lot of a lot of Nazi fighting and an occasional angry Hitlers in the comics back in the 80s and. 70s and onward okay well that is that is the stack for this week that it was a lot that was a lot to cover um we do a lot of fun yeah there were some there there were definitely some good points there were definitely some some not so good points (laughs) maybe we disagree on that a little bit yeah yeah so so there you go new characters new places items one thing i didn't note last week regarding new items is the upgraded truncheon can also be used as a grappling hook i don't know if we mentioned that we we talked about it being able to be used as a nunchuck that it could be expanded and and be used as nunchucks but uh the grappling hook was used a lot during these these issues and so if we have not mentioned it that that is now uh part of uh, the arsenal that Moon Knight has available to him. Yep. And that very well could be something that shows up on the show as well. Yeah. See, other than that, uh, we had a number of new characters. Xenos, Blacksmith, uh, was at least new to, to Moon Knight. Arsenal, the Third World Slayers, Brother Voodoo, we hadn't really seen much of before. Uh, Black Spectre, 
almost all of whom are dead now, um, or were you know characters that probably aren't going to be returning that much. We'll see a little bit more of some of them. Uh, Black Spectre, kind of keep keep an eye out for. We also saw a return in one of the late ones, I believe in number 23, of the Cestus, which are the um, the sort of pointed knuckles, the almost like the the little the little knives off the end of his fists that Moon Knight used in the early uh, costume. They came back just for a little while, did not last, but they were there when he was fighting some of the Black Spectre's goons near the end of one of the issues. So That's right, that's right. Kind of odd. Um, and then never really mentioned that they were back, and I don't think we've seen them since. But other than that, um, I don't know as far as like translating to the MCU or the show that any of these seem to me like they're likely characters to make it. Uh, especially uh, now that we've seen a, an introductory trailer uh, yeah. for, for this. And uh, we have a, a, a show summary as well that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But yeah, I, I don't see any of those. And, and frankly, with regards to Arsenal, thank you. I do not need to see that character anytime Already soon. Already then. Yes. That uh, makes sense to me. Well, let's jump into some Moon Knight news. We had a really tragic story that popped out uh, not for less than 48 hours after the, the trailer was released. And it was the fact that uh, actor Gaspard Uliel, uh, who is playing Midnight Man, in all, and he's credited in appearing in all six episodes of the upcoming Moon Knight series, passed away um, due to a skiing accident in the Alps. Um, that was tragic yeah, and very... Very kind of just, an eerie thing to have happen at the beginning when you're getting ready for a, a show to be released. I mean, it's obviously going to... There's no way it can't feel a little bit weird when we're watching those episodes when, when you're watching him uh, perform on there. Just sort of see how this all goes with the show. It, I'm sure they will have some sort of a um, an acknowledgement, maybe some sort of dedications and stuff like that on the on the episodes as they come up. So we'll just kind of watch for that and see. I've, I've never actually seen anything... Uh, that he's been in, but I'm interested now in maybe going in and, and seeing if we can find some stuff that is is available in America to watch that he's been in as well. Yeah, he apparently is a very very renowned French actor, and there's a the, he's got a rather long uh, credit history on IMDb of different projects that he's on, and, and yeah, I, I definitely mm-hmm. haven't seen anything he's been in before, but. I'm very, very interested in seeing uh, this character now, even more than I, I already was. Um, let's move on. Uh, one of the things that came out shortly after the trailer did, the, there is an actual page on Marvel.com that talked about the show and showed off the trailer. And it has a actual show summary uh, just a, a, a paragraph blurb as to what we're getting. Uh, in the Moon Knight TV show, which I thought was interesting, uh, and I wanted to share it with you all and get, Dan, your thoughts on this. It says, The series follows Stephen Grant, a mild-mannered gift shop employee who becomes plagued with blackouts and memories of another life. Stephen discovers he has dissociative identity disorder and shares a body with mercenary Mark Spector. As Stephen slash Mark's Enemies converge upon them. They must navigate their complex identities while thrust into a deadly mystery among the powerful gods of Egypt. That is, that is quite the description. I, I mean, I love the trailer. I love the people making this, and I think Isaac's going to be great. So I'm basically just going to go, okay. That sounds fine. We'll see what happens. But, I mean, he's never been a gift shop employee, obviously. Stephen Grant's normally a, an American millionaire. Uh, he's, he's in the wrong country. He's in the wrong job from what we've, what we've known before. Um, the memories of another life, uh, we've seen that every once in a while that this sort of thing does happen to him, especially later on. 
The dissociative identity disorder is something that they actually do deal with head-on in some of the books we'll be dealing with later on, a month or so uh, down the line. And other than that, you know, the Among the Powerful Gods of Egypt part, I think that really leads into some of the things from the trailer, where, you know, we've, we've heard that Ethan Hawke is playing somebody named Arthur Harrow. But I think that what's going to be interesting, the more I've watched the trailer, the more I've thought about this and looked at stuff, when he's got those people who are kind of like bowing down to him and whatever else, it's so resonant of some of even the panels, I think, in the books where we see the sun god, who's one of the, the villains that uh, Moon Knight faces a little later on. You've not heard of the sun god yet at all. Um, the interesting thing about him is that he very much almost is like an acolyte of another Egyptian god and is therefore a, he kind of patterns himself after Moon Knight in that way. So this idea that you'd have the Egyptian gods fighting through proxies very much comes through in those um, in those stories where the sun god's involved later on. So I think that, you know, when it talks about that and, and, and the like, and then what we've seen in the trailer, it becomes pretty obvious that they're going to have sort of this amalgam uh, villain where, because Harrow is a very, very thin sort of string upon which to hang a series. So obviously they're going to be doing some additional building out on that, char uh, on that character. So, so to you, did you see the trailer of Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke? Or the, the video of yes. them watching the trailer. Yes, I did. I, I I think if you're gonna spend two minutes watching anything, I think you need to spend the two minutes watching them react to the Moon Knight trailer because it was it was great. I, I loved I loved when Oscar Isaac was making fun of his accent. I loved it when, you know, uh we, we find out apparently Isaac's a really good with Rubik's Cube. Um, they liked the Kid Cudi song that's being played during the during the the, the trailer, and that uh, Ethan Hawke thinks he looks like Marlon Brando from uh, early early on um, Island of Doctor Moreau, if I remember right, or something like that. So, uh, and yeah. then them like screaming at the end when 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 we see the Moon Knight like look at the look at the look right at us at the end of the trailer they kind of just scream and clap and give each other a big hug it was it was fantastic i think everybody seems really excited about the project and what i like is also the number of people who are excited about it who maybe aren't all comic fans mcu fans who maybe are a little just sort of tired of the same stuff we've been seeing that this is really a, a chance for um for Marvel to kind of branch out maybe and, and get another group of people interested in some of these characters. So pretty, pretty awesome stuff. It's been a, been an interesting week and in seeing how the trailer has been received and, and some of the, the excitement that's coming out of that. So, yes. All right. Before we wrap things up for the week, uh, we did, let's, let's talk about what do you, if somebody was jumping in and going to read some of the stuff that we looked at this week, what are the important stories of the great reads that you would recommend from, from these issues? You know, to me, I, I like anything that mentions Sienkiewicz do pretty much. Sienkiewicz's stuff is, is beautiful, but it gets a lot better directly at the end of these issues. And in fact, I think that colors it, that if you look at the books from probably 22 on, which 22 and 23 is the Morpheus run, 24 is Scarlet, 25 is the one that gets you um, some of that really interesting Black Spectre sort of um, dichotomy and some more development on Marlene's character. And then 26 is just spectacular. I think that those are the ones I'd focus on. That if you really didn't read the first half of the books that we talked about this week, it wouldn't hurt you any. And they're enjoyable. And I, I actually enjoyed the Arsenal stories. They're, they've got major faults. They've got major problems. But they're pretty much standard comic book fare for the 80s in a lot of ways. But there was nothing really special about them. Some of these issues at the end are, are special. 
How about you? Well, 24 stands out again. Scarlet, stained glass, Scarlet, and the the moral dilemma issue, I think, is the standout issue of this group. Uh, however, yeah, 22 all the way through 26, uh, specifically the first half uh, story, the hit it story from 26, I think, are all worth worth your time. Though, like I said, these are these are long reads, and there is a lot of material. Um, they're not quick books mm-hmm. to get through. They're all kind of long, and so I think overall, I actually did not. If I was to kind of compare these to the other other books that we've read so far, I think these are the least liked store set of stories that we've read so far of the four weeks. I would put them last. Um, Scarlet and Hit It did a lot to, to make up the ground that the um, the Arsenal story put the put it deep, deep in the hole for me. I, I have to be honest with you. Worse than week one. Worse than week one, yes. I, I think oh, I, I would not... If these were the stories that I had read week one... I don't know if I would want to keep reading after that, to be that honest wow. with you. Wow. All right. Well, that is that is very interesting. Um, so, yeah, basically you would you would still have the Hulk stories as your number one then yes. probably. And, yes. Um, to me, I think I would I would still say, yeah, the, the Hulk stories are tough to beat. But with that said, I think 26 is the best story we've read. I... I think that's phenomenal. And overall, the the problem these stories also have is partly because they're so long and they're working on pacing. Um, I suspect that that change to 40-page books regularly may have messed with Mensch's sort of long-established way of pacing out stories, building his storytelling initially. So he sort of had to readjust, and maybe the, the later ones being better is an indication of that adjusting. But you also then had a number of fill-in stories because your primary artist isn't able to do all these pages every month. So that really gets in the way, too, because you've got these weird backup stories, you've got whatever. Um, I would I would say these probably, for me, are going to be pretty close in, in with the first Moon Knight series, the 1 through 14. Uh, still, yeah, trailing the Hulk, but but with some very high highs in it. What is on the stack for next week? Where where are we going from here? We continue on with Moon Knight 27 through 38. Uh, unfortunately, we do lose Bill Simkevich somewhere along the way in there. And then we lose the title itself because 38 is the last issue of the first volume. Uh, at which point Moon Knight sort of moves off into, we'll, we'll see, he's got some miniseries and other things and and guest appearances he does for a while before getting back into his own book so right i i'm given given how the first uh 26 issues have gone i'm very curious to see how this last 12 uh finishes off volume one uh any any final thoughts about uh uh this week before we before we wrap things up well, the main thing, I guess, just as a note, is that all of these books are on Marvel Unlimited. So if you've got a subscription, you can go in and read them. Also, I would recommend to anybody who is following along with us, if you've got a subscription or if you've got the books in a long box out in your garage, um, go ahead and reread 27 through 38 before next week if you can. Follow along with us. Yes. So. I want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, this is the fourth... I- episode so if you want to catch up to where we are now if this is your first episode please go back listen to episodes one through three as we to to lead up to where we are now and uh we'd love for you to stick along stick with us as we continue the journey through the story of moon knight uh you could do so by subscribing to the podcast on your podcast player of choice whether that be apple google or spotify just to name a few uh, if you're already subscribed, we'd love to get your feedback. Leave us a review. We've 
tried a couple different formats on how to how to group this discussion together so we definitely would love to hear your thoughts on that and how we're doing with regards to that uh, and it'll also help others find this podcast uh, you could send us questions or feedback on the show via email to questions at phases of the and for updates on the show as well as other announcements and to interact with us on social media please follow us on twitter at phases of mk i'm very much looking forward to the wrap-up of volume one to see how this finishes because um yeah this is this has been a, a an interesting an interesting ride through the first for first two weeks of this go remember all moon knight comics are great moon knight comics Dwayne. there all you go there so, you go all right. all right have a great have a great week folks see you next week see you next week Thank you.